0: What's going on, everybody? I'm the Pody, and you're listening to episode 41 of This Week in Sports. I have to give a big birthday shout out to my boy, Nick, better known as X Denver Fan X. Ex- He turned 27 just a few days ago, so congratulations and happy birthday. Okay, coming up on this episode, I am diving into the Antonio Brown trade rumors. He was almost traded to Buffalo in the early hours of this Friday morning. He just put out on Instagram a few hours ago that he is going to make an announcement on his new team very soon so we'll we'll keep an eye on that and see where that leads us. Also, there's a big FBI probe rocking the college basketball world, most notably LSU and their head coach Will Wade. You'll want to stay tuned for that. I am tracking everything in the NFL including free agents players that have been franchise tagged, players that have been traded. There was a, a a couple of major trades yesterday and today. Case Keenum, Olivier Vernon. I will get into that. You'll have to stay tuned. I'm talking baseball. There's some wild um, stuff going on in the baseball world as, as far as the MLB striking a deal with the Atlantic League, the Independent Atlantic League, to test some new rules and some changes. It's pretty crazy. So uh, stay tuned. I hope you guys enjoy. I'm back with a vengeance. Let's go. Welcome to this week in sports. Here's your host, the Pony. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of This Week in Sports. It is Friday, March 8th, 2019. I want to start off this episode by apologizing to everyone out there. I skipped over last week's episode. I was under the weather, not feeling good, had a little bit of a cold, so decided instead of giving a bit of a half-assed show, that I would just nix it all together and come back better, stronger than ever before. So I'm feeling great. A little tired. It's a little late. A little past 8.30 over here on the East Coast. But uh just finished up my note-taking. Just finished up... Um, All the pertinence that I needed to get to before I start recording this episode. So we'll get things started off. I want to first begin by saying happy International Women's Day. Yes, that's right. If you didn't already know, it is International Women's Day. So shout out to all of the women in the sports world whether you are a track and field athlete to a WNBA player and beyond any sport any women re- any woman really but this is a sports show so i'm giving a special shout out to women in sports and on this international women's day i will give a shout out to Steph Curry who is doing some nice things in the world he has released his Curry 6 shoe today and why is that um, interesting or important? Well, it's because this is a specially international Women's Day edition Steph Curry uh, Curry Six, co-designed by nine-year-old Riley, who. Is the little girl who a couple of months ago I reported on? She had written a letter to Steph Curry asking him why his shoes only come in boys' sizes because she was looking to get some basketball shoes for her upcoming season of um, of uh, basketball. And so that that's really cool. And I I checked those out. They're they're really nicely designed. Um, I have a pair of the Curry's, the second pair that I've had. Um, I really enjoy them, and these ones are purple. They're two shades of purple. They're totally women-esque. That's a woman's color, essentially, but they're very vibrant and bright, and something that I can get behind, I would wear them, and I do recommend the Curry's uh, line of sneaker overall. It's a very nice shoe if you're a basketball player, and it's cool because Under Armour, which obviously makes those shoes, they said that sales from the shoe will go towards a scholarship for a college-bound girl in the Bay Area, and they will do this every year, and they will announce it right around this date of International Women's Day. So that's really cool. So uh, kudos to Steph Curry and Under Armour. Okay, so let's really get into this. We'll dive in. It's going to be, I have a feeling, a long episode, but I really want to soak it up and just get ...down to the nitty-gritty and not really digress and go off on any tangents or anything like that. So we're going to start off with the NBA. And we start with the unbelievable four-overtime game last Friday night. I was under the weather, of course... But I absolutely stayed up to catch this. I was playing video games, I want to say. Yeah, I was feeling that poorly that I was playing video games. No, I started actually feeling better a little bit later on on Friday night. And I was playing some video games when I got a notification. It was super late. I want to say it was like close to 1 in the morning, maybe even later. And I got a notification from like ESPN or, or whoever saying that this game was crazy, four overtimes, et cetera, and so I turned it on, and I catch, I think, the third overtime, and then the end of the fourth, and just, it was wild. So, to give you some perspective, four overtimes, it was the third highest scoring game in NBA history, and the Bulls held on for a 168 to 161 victory. Say what? Yeah, just absolutely insane scoring in this game. And leading the way for the Bulls was Zach Levine, 47 points, nine rebounds, and nine assists. Came up just shy of a triple double. And then on the flip side of that, you had Trey Young scoring 49 points to lead all scorers, to go along with eight rebounds and 16 assists. So just shy of a triple double himself. And Trey Young, he hit a. Uh, a dagger three I believe to send this one to overtime at the end of the fourth quarter so we would have never had overtime if not for that but he also became just the fourth rookie since the ABA NBA merger to score 35 or more in at least three straight games not a lot of people have been paying attention to Trey Young really everybody's saying Luka Doncic is going to win rookie of the year but um yeah, Trey Young giving him a run for his money. So take a listen to some of the highlights from this game. It was a wild one. 7-6. Trey's going to launch from deep, two. it looks like. Yep, there it comes. Got it! 2.2! Hawks by 5 with 220. Zach Levine slams it home. I mean, we are seeing a ball game tonight. Zach Levine
1: with the crossover. Gives it over for Jack Harrison. Back to Zach.
0: Dempry. Defending. But Zach Levine ties it. Oh, man. So, yeah, like I said at the beginning, you just heard Trey Young hitting that three to tie it, send it to overtime. But Zach Levine and the Bulls were just a little bit too much in the fourth overtime period. Okay, so these two teams then had a rematch. That was Friday. Saturday off and then these two teams believe it or not rematched again on Sunday night and it got a little bit chippy and Trey Young was actually ejected on in this one and this started off with I believe a timeout was called and Chris Dunn threw up a shot and I guess Trey Young took exception so he pushed he pushes him in the back to which uh Chris Dunn then like, shoves him from by the neck it, from behind, and they were both assessed technical fouls. And then later in the game, um, Trey Young hits, I think, a step-back three, and he just puts his hands on his hips and stares at Chris Dunn, and he was actually ejected for that. So quite unbelievable that you could get ejected for staring at somebody. But they were warned. It was a double technical... Uh, I mean, it was a double technical the first time, and then it was uh, a second technical and two technicals, and you are ejected from a game. So, yeah, a little perplexing. The NBA is—let's not become the no-fun league like the NFL, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, yeah, he gets ejected for that, and um, that's that. So, moving right along— Andrew Bogut, you might remember that name. It's been over a year since he last played in the NBA, former number one overall pick. Largely a bust considering he was the number one overall pick. But with that being said, he is headed back to the NBA and he has agreed to sign on with one of his former teams, the Golden State Warriors, a team in which he won a world championship in the 2014-2015 season. He he last played with the Lakers, like I said, more than a year ago. And p- prior to that, I want to say it was that w- it was the year that they lost to the um to the Cavs up 3-1. I believe that was the year that Bogut suffered that gruesome leg injury and then Draymond Green was also um suspended a couple games and he missed the final few games of that of that uh nba finals and that's when lebron was able to make the comeback down 3-1 so um bogut has been playing in the australian basketball league because he is from australia and he was the player of the year last year averaging 11 points defensive player of the year so he is back with the warriors i'm not sure if he's made his debut yet um but he will be making his debut if he hasn't already short uh, soon enough. So uh, he's going to add some depth. They lost JaVale McGee to the Lakers in the offseason. DeMarcus Cousins has been shaky at times. Hasn't really lived up to his potential from last season coming off that Achilles injury. So uh, he will give them some some nice depth at the center position. Defensive shot blocking. All that type of stuff. Okay. Um, next up. So, we got some milestones in this episode. A lot of guys uh, breaking Michael Jordan records here. And uh, first would be Dwayne Wade. He notched his, it's unbelievable, he's been around for so long. His 1,052nd career blocked shot. This was on Monday. I i want to say uh, it was against the Hawks, but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, his 1,052nd career blocked shot, which is significant in the sense that he now becomes the all-time leading shot blocker from the guard position. He has more block shots than any guard, surpassing Michael Jordan, who was number one overall. So that just shows the greatness that is Dwayne Wade. And another weird one would be the fact that the... Phoenix Suns, one of the worst teams in the NBA. I believe they were the worst team in the NBA for a while. I want to say the Knicks now hold that distinction. But the Suns became the first team this season to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, not once, but twice. Only team to do so. Go figure. And it was actually the Suns' second win in a row on the road after embarrassing the the Lakers who um, were down 19 at one point in that game. But yeah, just really weird that uh, just one of those weird things. The Bucs, nothing to worry about. They've only got like 15 losses on the season. They were the first team to clinch a playoff spot, yada, yada. So they'll, they'll be fine. It's just uh, the NBA, those things happen. Just funny, weird little stat there. Weird little thing that the sons of all teams would beat the best team in the NBA twice in one season. And speaking about... Uh, bad teams the Boston Celtics I believe they were one in five post all-star game and just in tatters and ruin nobody knows really what's going on there is Kyrie Irving stepping up as the leader the rumors he may leave and go to the Knicks and yada 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 and then Jalen Brown comes out and says that the culture is toxic the losing and, and this and that and then what do they do in probably Good thing I hadn't been paying attention, and this game was on the West Coast and at 1030 at night, and I believe it might have been during a – no, I don't know if it was during my – no, it wasn't during my podcast because I think this was – yeah, this was on Tuesday night. I don't know. I was recovering from being sick over the weekend and whatnot, just not paying attention, might have went to bed early that day. But, boy, if I was actually paying attention to this game, I'd be so mad because I would have bet heavily – On The Golden State Warriors, although the bet out probably would have sucked, probably wouldn't have been good because they would have been such high favorites at home. Well, all that happened in that game was that Gordon Hayward exploded for 30 points and the Boston Celtics, who had been awful for a while now since the All-Star break, beat the Golden State Warriors in Golden State by 33 points. Okay, that is not an exaggeration. It is the worst loss in five years since Steve Kerr took over as the head coach of the Golden State Warriors. And so after the game, things got a little testy. Kevin Durant was being asked some questions. So here's his reaction on this whole thing.
1: And Kerr's mentioning didn't have the, guess, intensity or even mentioned Ooh. the Steve Kerr. Uh, or even the anger. Did you sense that and, and does this team need a little more anger sometimes? I thought we I thought we uh, I thought we uh move off of joy. <laughs> now anger? That's what your coach said. Uh, okay. I disagree with that one. I mean we just gotta I think all around top and bottom coaches, players we just gotta be better.
0: Yeah, I don't know why, but this is now the second time I've seen Durant giving one of these interviews post-game, and he's got that Chicago White Sox hat on. This is the second time. It's very weird. I don't know, is he sending some subliminal messaging that he's going to be headed to taking his talents to Chicago next season? I know all reports and indications are that he will be headed to the Knicks, but I don't know. It's weird and for for a player to openly disagree with a coach i'm not going to say it's abnormal, but it's a little eye-opening to say the least publicly. I Behind closed doors, these things happen. You kind of see maybe in huddles throughout the game, guys disagree. Uh, we've seen LeBron in the past. He blatantly disregards a coach's orders. We've seen that this season where he's not. Uh, Luke Walton calls one play and he just totally ignores it and does his own thing. But he came out publicly and said that. I mean, let, let's not – I'm not trying to, um, you know, make – lemonade out of lemons here or whatever this is not a big deal for the Warriors they're fine they're the defending champs they're gonna win it all again this year most likely unless James Harden has anything to say about that but I think not and yeah they'll be fine it's just again it's a long NBA season and this team yes it's been five years with Steve Kerr and it took five years for them to lose this badly at home it's going to happen. It's a grueling 82-game season. We saw the year that they went, what, 72-9 and and broke the wins record. And then, of course, they didn't win the NBA Finals. Things happen. I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill, you know. But um, the for the Celtics, this has got to feel absolutely euphoric. This has got to be their greatest win of the season. If this doesn't help boost them towards uh, come playoff time, I don't know what will. They currently sit at the five seed because my nets were the six seed for a while. And then they lost three in a row and they have slipped to the seven seed. But I've, I don't care how, how the Lakers have been playing throughout this season, kind of up and down because I know once playoff time comes the, the, Celtics. I might've said, did I say Lakers? I meant Celtics if I said that, but, uh, it's still the Boston Celtics. We know what they did last year without Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving in the playoffs. They almost made it to the NBA finals. So I still know as a Nets fan, I was saying, you know, I, God forbid, I do not want to face the Boston Celtics. If it were to come to that, you know, in a four five matchup or anything, maybe, but, um, I'm praying the Nets can pull that 6 seed out of their out of the, you know out of the hat and, and get the Indiana Pacers who are Victor Oladipo, although I know they've been playing great um without him, but I just I obviously like my chances better than having to face a team like the Celtics, Toronto, or Milwaukee in the first round. So uh yeah, this has got to feel great for the Celtics and then to segue into that, skip ahead to Wednesday night where the Celtics get another win, another nice win, behind none other than Gordon Hayward himself doing it again. So take a listen. He hits the game winner in the final seconds. Hayward, two seconds left. That was with two seconds left. They would beat the Kings. And then here's Hayward talking about that final play.
1: Well, Gordon, just take us through that last play where you knocked down that baseline jumper. Um, Just making a play, honestly. Uh, Had to make up for the dumb play that I had right before that, so uh, just making a play.
0: Yeah, so uh, he was talking about the play on the previous end where boneheaded uh, defensive play. But uh, yeah, he's had a couple of nice games. Of course, he's played well. He drops 30 points after I drop him from my fantasy team because he had been getting me like five points here and there. And it's just been a nightmarish season of fantasy basketball for me as we close out the season. This is the final week for me. And I was in first for a while. I've dropped all the way to six. The trade deadline did me dirty. The Marc Gasol trade, awful. He hasn't even really been averaging 10 points per game with Toronto. He was a 15-10 and 10 guy with the Grizzlies. It was awesome. And then Nikola Mirotic, when he was healthy with the Pelicans, he was a top 50, top 60, even top 75 caliber guy. Now, uh, uh, last night, was it, or Wednesday night? I think, no, last night, because Damian Lillard dropped 51 but uh, last night, which was nice. But last night, he gets me two points, two points for the Bucks post trade, and then I pick up Mo Harkless, and I I guess uh, um uh, Damian Lillard was doing all the scoring last night because Mo Harkless gets me only two points as well. It's just been a nightmarish season, up and down, and my team ain't going anywhere. I'm in the sixth spot. I'm pretty much locked into that sixth spot. I need to win, blast him this week if I need if I want a chance to even move up to the five seed, but it doesn't matter at this point. I'll be lucky to win a first-round matchup in the playoffs and then get bounced, although it's a markedly uh, better, imp- more improved season. In my second year in this league, um, I finished I not dead last, last year, but it was very embarrassing, and then uh, this year doing much, much better. So um, I, I put my name on the map a little bit this year, and hopefully I can uh, – make a run next year and in the years to come. But, uh, yeah. So I, like I said, I don't want to digress too much, but a lot of, a lot happened on Wednesday besides Gordon Hayward hitting that game winner. Let's move on to it and talk about, let's see. Um, Oh, right. In that game against the Kings, who are a borderline playoff team, by the way. So that is a nice win for the Celtics, two in a row there. And there was no Kyrie Irving in that game. So they were able to pull that one out without Kyrie Irving. And I I heard a stat. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think that the... Uh, Boston Celtics are something like seven and three or ten and three something along those lines without Kyrie Irving this year it's it's remarkable they did it in the playoffs last year as well without Kyrie it's like they seem to hit another gear and these these other guys step up you know your Jalen Browns your your Morriss those type of guys they will just step up your smarts uh Haywards will step up and just really. Uh, shoulder the load and Al Horford and them guys. So it's interesting to see that dynamic with and without Kyrie Irving. Okay, so also on Wednesday, Zach Levine, a little more on Zach Levine. He's been having a nice run with the Bulls lately. He had another nice game and helped the Bulls upset the 76ers. So take a listen to this game winner in the final seconds.
1: Get it in. Lopez gets it back to him. Levine with a runway the foul Zach Levine does it again so Robin catches at the elbow just a simple handoff two
0: defenders go toward Robin everybody forgets about Levine yeah Doris Burke said it best right there he gets the hand he inbounds it always watch the inbounder the ball is always going to go back to him always be careful of that and they were very sneaky. Hands it off to Robin towards the top of the key. Levine cuts around him, takes the handoff. And they because Robin Lopez's back is to the defenders, they think he still has the ball. Two defenders go at Robin Lopez. And Levine cuts sh- streaks to the basket. And they come over late and foul him. He would miss that free throw. And there, this is where it gets weird. There was half a second left on the clock. The Sixers go to inbound it, and with half a second, technically, you could catch and shoot. You need, like, .3, but they tried to throw it up, I guess, at the rim. The horn went off before anyone touched the ball. So, the players, the fans, they all start walking off the court because the horn sounded. Well, the refs reviewed this and determined, no, we need to bring both teams out. Only one problem for Otto Porter on the Bulls, and take a listen.
1: I was already... Already doing uh, um, doing something for the league. Right. Um, so, um, you know, but Wayne stepped in for me and was able to get the job done. Been did you better just try
0: to make an appeal and say, hey, you know, the game's not over?
1: Uh, actually, I was already in mid try, so I couldn't <laughs> <laughs> stop. Well, how do, how, so,
0: how did word, word get
1: to you? And they say, like, hey, they're putting open. Well, I mean, people clock. were looking for me. They couldn't find me. And then finally found me. Um, but by that time, it was too late. You've, I grabbed my jersey, about to run out, and then you know, yeah, I literally just turned right back around and finished the process. <laughs> You've, uh...
0: So what Otto Porter is talking about there is this game is not even five seconds over. It's not been over five seconds, and the league is pulling him aside and making him or testing him, drug testing him uh, with a urine sample. So when he says he's mid-stride, he was mid-stream, ladies and gentlemen, um, urinating in a cup for the league to be drug tested, and the game wasn't even over. Shame on the league for this one. I understand you're going to drug test him after the game, but wait a few minutes to at least verify that this game is over because he had to have Wayne Selden Jr. sub in for him because, like he said he was doing taking care of business and by the time he was done yeah those that 0.5 seconds was up and the game was officially over so uh yeah get it get your act together nba league offices league officials that were there and made him do that shame on you for that unbelievable and then the biggest news on wednesday night would be more lakers news and it would be michael uh, excuse me lebron james passing Michael Jordan, another guy passing Jordan, uh, for fourth on the all-time career points list. So here's what LeBron had to say after the game, and then I will give the rundown on this.
1: A lot of stuff that I've done in my career. Um, this ranks right up there at the top. Uh, we winning a championship. Um, just, I mean, for... for for a kid from Akron, Ohio, that, that um, needed inspiration and um, needed some type of um, positive influence, uh, MJ was that guy for me. Um, and I, I, I watched him from afar, um, wanted to be like MJ, wanted to shoot fadeaways like MJ, wanted to stick my tongue out on dunks like MJ, wanted to wear my sneakers like MJ. Um, I wanted kids to look up to me at some point, like MJ and um...
0: yada yada yada. Yeah, you get the picture. He's praising MJ. Always wanted to be like MJ. He clearly really wants to be more than MJ because he is got Space Jam Two coming out. He's he he's starting to let Hollywood get to him. The Lakers have just been awful. But um no it's a it's a great milestone for him. MJ did come out and congratulate him on another career milestone and uh LeBron uh, he he wrote thank you MJ 23 on his sneakers before the game. He got emotional, but here's the thing. I've talked to many people that have been LeBron fans over the years. I am a detractor. I Can't stand LeBron. Is he a good player? Yes. I think he's a choke artist in crunch time. Can't make free throws to save his life. And he's not really a great closer. And he passes too much in in the late game stages. But anyway, when he hit this milestone, gets the points, whatever. Yes, there was cheering. But man, from what I gathered, because I was doing another podcast, Glorious House of Gains podcast, Top 200, iTunes. Go listen, subscribe, please. He... Normally, so when Kobe uh, broke this streak, broke this record on the all-time scoring list, they took about five minutes. They stopped the game. It was like a parade almost, kind of like what we saw with Drew Brees when he broke that record on Monday night football. They took, like the game stopped on uh, on that Monday night and and they were congratulating him, people coming on the field, taking pictures. There was none of that in L.A. when when LeBron did this. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people that have been LeBron fans over the years are really getting sick and tired of the shenanigans that he has been putting on this season. The whole thing about him going to the Lakers, the Hollywood stuff, him trying to trade for Anthony Davis, it's almost like he's letting Hollywood get to him and he's all about himself. Space Jam 2, he's talking about... You know, he's got his show, The Shop, uh, on... HBO meanwhile his team is awful and he's going to miss the playoffs for the first time in like 14 years, been to the finals nine straight years, that's all over with and he seems to be blaming everybody but himself. He said it's unfair that he's got young players on his team in their second and third years that are having to shoulder the load and he just continues to make excuses and at the same time he says he loves his teammates but then he tried to trade all of them away then he's blaming them and so a lot of people said it wasn't it was kind of like you know it wasn't the ovation that that normally a player like that would have gotten or maybe he would have gotten if he was in still in cleveland so the perception on lebron has really started to shift and he's really almost turning into that villain role or not even I don't even want to say a villain cuz he's not like a villain but he's just somebody that people are i guess it's they're they're getting annoyed with him and he's just not handling things the right way and he's really not and this is really going to ruin his legacy and i think it's going to put that mj comparison who's the greatest player of all time to bed once and for all, because MJ would never do anything like this. He would never make excuses. He would step up and he would just play his game and do what's best for the team. And he was a pure winner, a pure scorer. And boy, oh boy, was he the great, he was a bad man. As Stephen A would say. Um, so, Oh, yeah. Okay. So I do want to stay focused on this game. I believe this game was against the Nuggets uh, on Wednesday night when he accomplished this. They got schmacked. Okay. They got absolutely annihilated once again. I mean, it's true. The Lakers have less than a 1% chance to make the playoffs. There is animosity among players, front office. Luke Walton is unfortunately, going to get fired thanks to LeBron, yet another coach that he gets fired at the end of this year. And there was some more th- uh, something else that happened during this game. Rajon Rondo, who has not been known to be a very good teammate, was seen sitting in away from the bench. Not like that photo of LeBron a month ago, where he was sitting at the end of the bench. No, 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 no. Rajon Rondo took it to another level, and he was sitting in courtside seats reserved for fans in the final minutes of this game. Well, yes, it's very similar to what LeBron did a month ago. This is not camaraderie this is not how you lose together this is not a group of guys that are showing that they like each other or that they're a close knit family like like teams that win like the Milwaukee Bucks you don't hear this type of stuff with them you don't hear this type of stuff with the teams that win the Rockets they're guys that can lean on each other and that are close but the Lakers it's all over the place you got LeBron blaming this guy Rondo doing his own thing and just it's a whole big mess. And it's not shocking the dysfunction that we're seeing. I mean, this is what happens when a guy like LeBron James tries to come in and dictate this, that, and the other, and tries to trade half his team for one player in Anthony Davis. It's not healthy for the relationship going forward. It was, to me, it was a bad business move and a bad legacy move for LeBron James to go to L.A. and play for the Lakers. All right, so. The other thing that came from this a few days after that, after Wednesday's game, is that LeBron is now agreeing to play on a minutes restriction. First of all, a couple days ago, he said, I'm not going to play on no minutes restric- restriction. I'm not going to sit out games because there's speculation. People are saying, you've got guys like Jay Williams and other analysts and other guys saying that LeBron should just shut it down and, and, and not play the rest of the season or sit out games because he's not going to make the playoffs and he's doing himself no good by playing right now since he's kind of injured, coming off injury and not the healthiest Then at 34 years old. Well, He said one thing, and now he's agreeing to another. This is the other thing. He's never, He hasn't been able to make up his mind all season long on what he wants to do. So now I guess he believes they're not going to make the playoffs, so he has agreed he's going to be on a minutes restriction anywhere between 28 to 32 minutes per game, and he may even sit out uh, games on back-to-back nights when they play back-to-back games. Okay, and then last but not least... I want to mention a guy on my fantasy team. He goes by the name of Donovan Mitchell, an absolute stud. He did something under the radar that nobody's talking about because he plays for the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell became the fastest Jazz player ever to score 3,000 points. All right? Why is that a big deal? Because he did it in 139 games, okay, And he did it faster than the mailman himself, Carl Malone, who, ladies and gentlemen, my newer generational audience, my younger folks, guys and gals that listen to this show who have never heard of Carl Malone, shame on you. He is the NBA's second all-time scoring leader. So what does that mean? Donovan Mitchell is scoring at a clip so phenomenally that he could potentially pass Carl Malone as the second all-time leading scorer in NBA history? Let's not get ahead of ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. But that is what that does suggest. And granted, we live in a much different age of basketball, but we've got to give Donovan Mitchell the respect he deserves. Not many basketball fans your, your your average basketball fan might not necessarily know who Donovan Mitchell is, former Rookie of the Year out of Louisville. He is an absolute stud for the Utah Jazz, and he has got himself a big-time future career in this league, and he just continues to amaze myself, and everybody else should take notice of him in the league, and I'm sure that they do. So congrats to donovan mitchell and then last but not least before we move on move on to the most bizarre story of the week i want to play a clip this was jay williams on want to get up or something he's this is in response to something that charles barkley said i'll explain it better after i play this clip so just take a listen to this it's quite interesting this is not about the Kyrie Irving statements. This is about his initial statement about what he said about Adam Silver
1: and the stupidest things he's ever seen. He, I fervently disagree. And there are times that Charles Barkley can say things on TV and he's Teflon Don. I get it. doesn't matter what he says, but he is wrong on that one. Adam Silver was talking about anxiety and depression. And you just don't—I feel like it's an older generation thing where they equate happiness to the amount of money that you make. Look, people all have internal struggles. And what happens with that is when he says things like that— that automatically challenges people opening up to talk about some of the things that is you know, driving them to whatever those issues are in their life. And that forces people to shut down. So instead of just attacking people by saying, hey, you have no problems in the world, you don't walk in their shoes. You may have made money. You may have been a superstar, but you don't walk in the shoes of those individuals. You weren't raised in the age of social media. You don't know how that can affect you and how you're raised with that. So show empathy towards that and let's help these people that are openly saying I have issues instead of attacking them.
0: Listen, I'm starting to dislike Jay Williams more and more and more. I'm not going to make fun of or make light of depression or, or, or players in, in the NBA or these athletes that make buco bucks and end up committing suicide or have deep, deep anxiety, depression, things of that nature, I, I, because I do believe it exists out there. I just believe that I find it hard to believe because I am not built this way, I find it hard to believe that these macho men, that these big-time, muscular athletes that make all this money and play NFL football and bang heads in the trenches and, and play in the NBA and MLB and get hit with 100-mile-an-hour fastballs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I find it hard to believe that they could be, you know, I'm not... Trying, you know, again, I'm not, it's just the wording I'm using. I don't mean anything by it, but I'm just going to use it for um, for this example um, that acts, say, soft or how that's how people uh, view it that they're soft and that they're emotional and that they could be depressed when they make millions and millions of dollars. Well, here's the thing we see it all the time with celebrities that make all these millions and somebody like Demi Lovato who can be just. An unbelievably talented musician, but she struggles with alcohol and and drugs and heroin and OD'd recently. And somebody like Robin Williams, who is a comedian, and somehow ends up committing suicide. You think he's the happiest man in the world, but deep de- deep down, he's facing some seriously dark depression, some dark some demons. And whatnot. And I don't know what that's like, but I'm with Charles on this one because it might sound insensitive and it might sound like we're not taking into account anything, but this is from my perspective. I would trade places with any of these guys in a heartbeat. And Jay Williams talks about the age of social media. This is why players should stay off of social media, just nix it. You're nothing good is going to come from the trolls, the people that just constantly berate you and make fun of you. And, and um, Kevin Hart, for example, he did not host the Oscars because there were losers that attacked his character, went back and and tried anything to find anything to throw against the wall and make it stick. To to um deter his character and, and badmouth him and they found a tweet from years and years ago 7 8 years ago in which he said you know um I'll try to say this in 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 terms that I can but um they base he basically made a comment and it was on social media he said that if he found his son playing with a doll he wouldn't like that because it's you know it's fugazi. it's you know homosexual in a sense is what he said And um, that is insensitive, of course, obviously, but in the moment as a father, a man, he was voicing that opinion. That's how he felt. He doesn't want to raise a kid that he wants to raise like a macho, like an alpha male. OK, well you could you could learn more of that on the Glorious House of Gains podcast, but I don't want to make this a, I'm a, you know, I'm a homophobic person or anything like that. It's nothing like that. I'm just because I don't know what these players face every day. I just know how I would react. And you just can't pay attention to the trolls on social media. You just have to ignore it. Um, yes, people are going to hate on you. Athletes bring this stuff upon themselves as well, though, when they have these domestic violence issues and they give bad name to the sport and they they do things like that. But yes, is there depression? Sure, maybe they have anxiety to live up to the hype and the pressure. And I watched a documentary on the, the late, great pistol Pete Maravich who died when he was 40 years old. And he was one of the greatest college basketball players of all time, if not the greatest. Um, and he died too soon, but he dealt with some of that stuff and depression, and his mother committed, committed suicide and had trouble with alcohol, and he would take shots before games, and he would go to bars, and it was crazy how depressed he was. And uh, it's like, how could a guy like that be depressed when he's making over a million dollars on the Atlanta Hawks' And he's the only white player on the, in a predominantly black town at the time, and he's making double all these black players, and he's just living the greatest life. But in deep down, he's not, because he's dealing with things that we don't see behind the curtain, and he's been dealing with it before the money, and all the mo- amount of money he gets can't make up for the way he was feeling, so... I understand what Charles is saying. You make all this millions of dollars. Anybody in the world would want to trade places with you. Like I said I would. And I don't I don't personally understand how you can be um make that much money. Cuz to me, and it's might be a narrow-minded way of thinking, but I've always said this, although this people say I'm it, it's not true, but I've always said give me all the money in the world and I will be the happiest person ever. And they say, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but I truly believe it can. I don't see how it can't. Okay. Because, um, I would not have to work anymore. I could just live life. I could buy a big luxurious house. Money causes problems for everyone, or should I say lack thereof. money? Um, You know, when it comes time to paying bills, you know, money is the root of all evil in the sense that when you don't have any and when you're struggling for money, it can lead to breakups, it can lead to divorce, it can lead to a lot of marital problems and relationship issues. But when you have a whole lot of money, I believe it leads to pure happiness. These celebrities, on the other hand, they have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. they fall in with the wrong crowd. They party too hard. They get addicted to drugs and things of that nature. So, um, I spent a little too much time talking on this, but that's just my, that was just one of those interesting takes. I wanted to play that because Jay Williams gave one take and I just happened to respectfully disagree. Um, cause Hey, I would trade places with these guys any day of the week. All right. So now let's get to the biggest, probably the biggest story of the week bef- besides the couple of the NFL things going on which I'll get to it's got to be this college basketball FBI probe um, that's been going on we've we've heard about it in the past with Sean Miller but now it's getting even deeper and LSU coach will Wade is in big time hot water. I'm gonna break this thing down to you uh, for you as so as part of an FBI probe into the pay for play, essentially the the recruiting scandal um, that's been that the FBI has been looking into so coaches paying families of players or p- playing paying players in order to get them to come to their school it's been going on for years and years and years and the FBI conducted some wiretaps on a, a on a um, middleman which doesn't sound shady at all by the name of Uh, Christian Dawkins, so Will Wade was caught on a phone call with Christian Dawkins talking about a recruit, and he was not happy that this recruit had not signed with LSU, and I don't have the clip to play because it's a lot of uh, cursing and whatnot, but I'm going to quote a lot of this and and let you in on this. So basically what happened was, uh, this was a 2017 phone call that the FBI intercepted, which in which Wade is speaking to Christian Dawkins about a strong ass offer, um, which that's what he said. Those are that's a direct quote he made in this recruitment. Of the prospect was we weren't sure at first, but we now can confirm that it was jo- uh, Javante Smart, who is currently a freshman guard at LSU and a former top 50 recruit. So he ended up getting him to come to LSU, but apparently not the, in in legal terms. So what happened was he said that he was voicing his frustration because a third party that was affiliated with the recruitment would not accept Will Wade's offer. So what he's saying when he mean what he means by third party. My guess is that this is some third party family member or agent, maybe a friend that is close to this situation or an an uncle that's advising him. So he goes on to say he believes he hasn't received a verbal uh, commitment from the player because this person, this third-party person, hadn't been given a, and I quote, big enough piece of the pie in the deal and instead tilted the offer toward the player and his mother. So basically that the mother and the player – We're getting more money than this third party, and this third party had a lot of sway in determining where this player was going to sign, and he was not happy that he hadn't been given more money, so maybe looking for leverage to get more money before he agrees to let him sign with the team. I'd be really curious to know who this third party is that they keep referring to. And then here's another quote that he says on the phone. I was thinking last night on this smart thing, I'll be honest with you, I'm bleeping tired of dealing with the thing like I'm just bleeping sick of dealing with the bleep like this should not be that bleeping complicated and obviously I'm saying bleep fill in that with a known curse word okay it goes on a little bit more but yeah basically you get the idea he's completely red-handed and when asked about this at A luncheon he was basically um he he was eating enjoying you know a lunch at this place supposed to be a charity event or whatever and they a reporter brings this to his attention and his response was i haven't read it yet i haven't seen it yet there's nothing to read man you know what you said on in that phone call you you absolutely know so um that was, what, a couple days ago or yesterday? And then today, LSU had no choice, absolutely no choice, but to suspend their coach, Will Wade, for a um indefinite, indefinite period, okay? Um, so he's been suspended indefinitely, and taking over will be assistant coach Tony Benford, okay? And what's interesting about this is we're at the nitty-gritty end of the road here. The regular season's coming to an end. We're two weeks away from March Madness, give or take, and conference tournament time is coming along. Well, LSU, you might not know this if you don't pay attention too closely to college basketball, LSU is 25-5 and and tied with the Tennessee Volunteers, University of Tennessee For first place in the SEC, and they are currently ranked 10th overall in the country. So, mark my words, this is a huge blow for LSU. We saw this last year with Sean Miller, with Arizona, as dominant as they were with DeAndre Ayton. But when this all came out, they were not the same team. They were a favorite to win it all, and they got bounced very quickly in the NCAA tournament. Round of 32, I believe, um, or so. So yeah, not very good um in that sense, but uh yeah, so um they are they are going to have to step it up if they want to if they want to get back into the thick of things come tournament time. I don't know that that will happen because it's going to be tough. I don't know if if Will Wade doesn't come back the rest of the year, forget it. LSU stands no chance in the tournament, but it's going to be interesting to see where they get seated and when where they fall in line. And, okay, let's move this right along. There were two other teams linked up to Christian Dawkins. FBI recovered other phone conversations, and that would be with two coaches from two separate teams. Um, so, basically, let, let's put this all in perspective and wrap a nice bow around this thing. Christian Dawkins' cell phone was being tapped by the FBI from about late spring to late September 2017, so over two years ago or so. And in that period of time, I I guess they, obviously, they got the Will Wade, who was the biggest of the bunch. They found that phone conversation, as well as one with uh, assistant coach Preston Murphy of Creighton, and then TCU assistant Corey Barker. But um, neither of these guys, I can confirm, neither of these guys is expected to be charged with anything. So there is that. So that was the big news in college basketball. And then I got to mention this. I'm a big Bill Self guy. I'm a big Kansas guy, big Kansas fan. It's very sad, and I must announce this, but Kansas has officially they lost to Oklahoma the other night and with that loss they have officially ended their run of Big 12 of consecutive Big 12 regular season titles 14 straight years since Bill Self took over he didn't win it in his first year as head coach of Kansas but started this run in his second year and he has either I believe he tied for the regular season title four times and then won it outright the rest of the times um so just unbelievable it was the longest streak ever surpassing the 13 put up by Bill uh, by uh, UCLA, excuse me, the great UCLA teams um but yeah, just unbelievable streak once in a generational type streak that they that they had there. so with that being said, that will end uh, my basketball stuff. And we can roll this on up and talk NFL. And I'm going to try to wrap this up as quickly as possible. I do have to get to the Major League Baseball as well. So basically, we'll start with the NFL. Um, things are starting to ramp up. Combine's been going on. Combine's been big. Guys like um, DK, or my friend, DK Metcalf, who one of my buddies has been calling Donkey Kong, which is kind of funny because the guy looks like a brick friggin' house. He is jacked unbelievably jacked strong as hell and he was putting up some unbelievable numbers his 40 time was out of this world and he's a wide receiver from Olmiss. miss so guys like that quentin williams put up an unbelievable 40 time montez sweat ran a faster 40 time than got uh Tariq cohen and um odell beckham jr and he's a friggin' uh defensive end defensive lineman so just crazy the stuff that these that these um players have been able to do with the combine, but basically the combine is make or break for players in Indianapolis. They measure them, they give their, um, uh, interviews and they perform for, for, for scouts of all 32, well, all 32 teams are on hand. So that's been going on. And then we've had a lot of players being franchise tagged and a lot of, um, uh, extensions getting, getting done. So let me summarize this up for you. Jason Kelly, center for the Eagles. He signed a one-year extension, which now keeps him locked up with the Eagles for, I believe, three more years through the 2021 season, making him the highest-paid center in the NFL. He now averages $11 million per year. Kelsey is a staple. Obviously, his brother is Travis Kelsey, tight end, Kansas City Chiefs, but he's played all eight years with the Eagles. He hasn't missed a single snap in a game in the last four years, which is unreal. I can't I've never even heard of such a thing. Next up, Cowboys hit DeMarcus Lawrence with the franchise tag for the second straight year. He played on the tag last year at about 17 and a half million. That goes up to over $20 again this year. But Lawrence said he does not want the tag and he would prefer to sit out if he can't get a long-term deal done. I've got to imagine they get something worked out because he's made the Pro Bowl each of the last two seasons and been a big part of that defense for them. And then the Texans, they put the non-inclusive tag on Jadavian Clowney. And what that means is that he is able to negotiate with other teams, but if he signs elsewhere with any other team, Houston recoups two first-round picks. What that means is, yeah, Clowney ain't going anywhere. Make no mistake about it. He will stay with the Houston Texans. They will work something out. And then the Falcons did the same thing placing the non-exclusive tag on defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. So same thing. If he signs elsewhere, Falcons get two first-round picks. And then my man left tackle Donovan Smith, he got paid. Bucks extended him. He, his uh, rookie deal was set to expire, so they extended him three years, $41.25 million, with 27 mil guaranteed. Okay, and then the Browns, They released linebacker Jamie Collins. Uh, Price tag was just too high. So back three years ago now, in 2016, he was traded for a third-round pick from the Pats. The Browns then signed him to a $50 million deal. He was due 10 mil this upcoming season. Too steep for them, so they cut him to save that cap space. Okay, this this was sort of the big news earlier in the week. Charlie Casserly. Of the NFL Network, former Super Bowl winning general manager in this league, Uh, he came out on NFL Live or on NFL Network, excuse me, and he reported that there were three teams that he was in contact with that were saying that Kyler Murray gave horrific interviews that he was basically lacked in leadership and his study habits. And now, what Casterly said is, take this for what you will. How does that translate to his play on the field? He said he trains guys on these interviews, and he basically said that it's obvious that Kyler Murray was not trained at all for these interviews and did not do well. But Murray is going to step it up. He's going to. He didn't run or anything at the combine, but he said he will do his forty at the uh, at his pro day at Oklahoma, and he did. He did measurements at the combine and he did these interviews and his measurements actually did play in his favor he came in at about uh 5 let me see here where it is uh 5'10", and inches and 207 pounds. So I think that was a little bit taller than anticipated. And his hand size, I don't remember exactly, but he had a much bigger hand size than anticipated. So a lot of experts were saying that that bodes well for him. And again, he will perform at his pro day, so we'll wait and see how that goes. But he he had people like his old coach, Lincoln Riley, coming to his defense, and his agent blasted Casserly. Listen, Casserly... Is a former GM, like I said. He's well-respected in this league. He's not just going to make this sort of thing up. So I do believe that these teams interviewed him, and he did poorly. But again, that means what you want it to mean, however it fits your agenda. If you believe he's worth the first overall pick, the Cardinals are going to take him with the first overall pick, regardless of how this 15-minute interview went. Considering these interviews are ridiculous anyway, and a player was once was asked about... Uh, If he had both of his testicles, which I have no idea what that has to do with football or anything, but just some of these questions are absolutely ridiculous, but let's move on. The bears, they signed former pit kicker, Chris Blewett, And when I say pit, I don't mean Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, zero experience in the NFL, Pittsburgh, pit Panthers of college football. Okay. Those pit Panthers. He has zero NFL experience. This is a guy that you want to replace Cody Parkey, who is a a pro bowler that they cut. They also signed... Uh, former Tulsa kicker Redford Jones in January these are the two guys that you want competing to make kicks in the playoffs for you you think Cody Parkey was bad and he's got this experience and he's got the Pro Bowl experience this is a disaster I don't believe that either of these guys is gonna make the roster I, I could be wrong but they they're gonna have to pick up a, a veteran kicker a, a, and go that route because this is not the way to go I'm sorry I don't understand what the Bears are doing there. Um, And then uh, Dominic Rogers cromartie he wants back in the NFL already. He's been retired all of five months. I don't even know if he made it five months, but he played half the season, like seven games last year with the Raiders, knew they weren't going anywhere, and then just retired mid-season. Okay, Uh, he was reinstated pretty quickly, and there's some teams with interest He's just 32 years old, still has played for five teams over an 11-year career, made, what, two Pro Bowls, I believe. And then the big news yesterday was that Case Keenum was traded from the Broncos to the Redskins. This all but confirms that the Redskins do not believe that Alex Smith will be back in 2019, which I didn't think either. That leg injury was so gruesome, he almost lost his life. So um, this trade makes sense as the Broncos recently traded and picked up Joe Flacco from the Ravens. Uh, And the the deets on this is that the Broncos will get the Redskins' sixth-round pick in 2020, and then the Redskins get the Broncos' seventh-round pick in 2020, and then Keenum's contract is going to be reworked by the Redskins. The Broncos will pay him $500,000 in restructured bonus p- and pay $3.5 of his $7 million salary, and then Washington will pay $3.5 million. So Ke- Case Keenum, make no mistake, he's still getting getting his payday. And uh, he was blindsided by the trade when they got Flacco. Now he doesn't have to worry because he will be the starter for the Redskins. And then the Steelers, they have been in the news of late. They make Marquise Pouncey the highest-paid center in history. Wait a second. Didn't... Didn't... um. Didn't another player on the Eagles, Kelsey? Didn't he just become the highest-paid center in in NFL history? Well, let's let's break this down. I'm a little confused myself because this is basically the exact same deal that Kelsey got. It's a three-year extension worth 11 mil per year. So I'm wondering if there's some change worked in there and it's just slightly higher than Kelsey's deal. That's my guess. But um, Marquise Pouncy, man. He is a staple with the Steelers, just an absolute workhorse, one of the best, seven-time Pro Bowler, four straight Pro Bowls, including two all-pro years, and just absolute beast. And then um, Antonio Brown, okay, in the wee hours of Friday morning, late last night while we were all sleeping, catching those Zs, Antonio Brown was nearly traded to the Buffalo Bills. So Wednesday in my Sports Minute on the Glorious House of Gains podcast, I hinted that I believed Antonio Brown would be traded by the end of the week, but I did not believe he was going to be traded that quickly, okay? And then, um, so that was early hours of the morning, and when I woke up around 6 o'clock this morning, Adam Schefter was saying, the NFL, I think Ian Rappaport initially reported, um, Adam Schefter said, you know, hold the phone. Antonio Brown like pretty much refuses to play in Buffalo, and that's what's holding this up. Obviously, Buffalo doesn't want to trade for him and send first-round picks and whatnot for a guy that doesn't want to play with them. And give me one second. Had to take a sip of water, a little parched here. Uh, thank you. But, yeah, so... So Shefty, that's why I follow his tweets because he's the man. He said that this is not, this is not imminent. I don't think anything's happening here. He doesn't want to go there. And then sure enough, shortly after that, boom, news breaks that Buffalo is out of the running for Antonio Brown. I'm hearing the Raiders, as of now, are the front runner to land him if he lands anywhere, because they have the they have three first round picks. So they could send a late first rounder, like a 27th, ra- 27th pick in the first round for AB, maybe throw in a third rounder, whatever it is. But I do have some uh, breaking news on the matter. Apparently, Antonio Brown has just put it out there on Instagram or on social media as he loves that Instagram. He loves to put stuff out there and, and and make the headlines and make the rounds. He is saying that he is about to announce his new team in the next 24 hours or so. This is just bizarre. So has he been traded? I have no idea. Maybe there is a trade in place and he just has to sign off on it. But this is absolutely bonkers. I'm dying to know what team he gets traded to because it's going to shake up it's certainly going to shake up things. And um I'm I, there were rumors that the Jets were interested. That lasted all of a couple hours. They pulled out. and I'm glad because as good of a talent as he is, he's a problem in the locker room and when he doesn't get what he wants, he can make things problematic for teammates and coaches and that's what happened in Pittsburgh things were going great Antonio Brown was a nobody he was a sixth round pick overlooked completely and he just got his chance with Big Ben a great cool, Super Bowl winning quarterback and he shined and he he stood out and he put people on notice and he became a B he became a antonio brown that we all know today he got that big time contract just like with odell beckham and when you get that big time money you let it go to your head all right so uh yeah i'm i'm dying to find out who he is getting traded to and we it looks like we might know by late tonight or maybe tomorrow morning but Keep checking that Twitter. I'll keep refreshing and waiting for Adam Schefter to let me know. And if you want, you could follow him on Instagram because and put the turn those notification posts on because I think he's going to announce it very shortly. And then in other news, the big news today is revolving around the Giants. They are trying to trade away and they are getting rid of all of their best defensive players. They're trying to build that offense up again, but at the cost of their defense. So uh, they go ahead and they trade Olivier Vernon to the Browns for right guard Kevin Zeitler. And today happens to be Kevin Zeitler's birthday. So uh, happy birthday, Kevin. You've just been traded to the New York Giants. I don't know how he's going to feel about that. But um, Zeitler is, if you don't know, he's one of the best, actually one of the best Offensive linemen and right guards in the NFL, one of the highest rated players at his position. It's a much needed upgrade. So you got Will Hernandez now and Zeitler on that right side for the Giants. And if they can give Eli some time, maybe they have a chance. But I think it's just laughable that they're going to go with a 38 year old Eli Manning for another season. And now it's possible that they again don't draft a quarterback with the 6th overall pick because of their defensive needs now because they're trading away all of their defensive players and trying to accumulate some free up some cap space cuz they've just completely botched this whole thing. Okay, uh the Jaguars they made they release 5 players today, but most notably they released Carlos Hyde and Malik Jackson and I love me some Carlos Hyde and if I'm the New York Jets and you cannot get Le'Veon Bell, Carlos Hyde will come so cheap, and he is a great top 15, top 10 running back, and he will just plug in so nicely. I, I know he will with the Jets, and he will be very much um, a, a needed and helpful asset for a young Sam Darnold to build that offense around. He might not be a a staple or a... um a longevity type of player that will be with the team for many, many years down the line, like you would get if you sign a Le'Veon Bell, and he's certainly not as good, but if you can't get Le'Veon Bell, I think Carlos Hyde is the next best thing. The Lions, they they showed that this is a cruel business. They released their veteran captain guard, TJ Lang, And then this one was surprising. The Patriots are close to pulling off a trade with the Eagles for Michael Bennett. I love this. I don't understand why teams make trades with the Patriots. When the Patriots want a guy, hello, ladies and gentlemen, it must mean they're pretty good and the Patriots know what they're doing, so don't make a trade with them. It's like making a, a deal with the devil. This is why they are so good at winning and why they could take superstars and say, oh, you want to leave? Goodbye, we don't need you. And they just continue to siphon out the players and win with one guy, Tom Brady. All right, Eric Weddle, this was another big one. He signed with the Rams, so Wednesday or so, Tuesday, Wednesday, he was released by the Ravens, veteran safety, one of the top five or so safeties in the NFL He's a two-time All-Pro player, okay, and he's coming off three straight Pro Bowl seasons, and he has just helped bolster that Rams defense, signing a two-year, $12.5 million deal contract there. The Dolphins, they cut Danny Amendola after one year, and I pray the New York Jets don't go out and sign him. He's hurt way too much, and he's not a guy that really has breakaway speed or is going to get open. He's a good slot guy, but I think he he fit well with Brady because of how good Brady is. And uh, it's funny that Brian Flores, the new uh, Dolphins coach, was a coach with the uh, Patriots when Amendola was there, yet he comes into to uh, Miami and he still cuts one of his former players that he worked with. So that really says a lot about Amendola. And he had like 530 yards and like maybe two touchdowns last year. I know the dolphins aren't any good, but you know, uh, he's not going to help my New York jets. So please jets. I know he was a rumored name out there. Just don't go after him. All right, please don't. And Hey, that'll bring us to the end of uh, our NFL segment. So let's quickly move right along and we'll get right into it. Baseball, this might have been two weeks ago, but of course, I wasn't here last week for the episode. So let's talk about it. Bryce Harper finally off the market. He signed that mega deal, 13 years, $330 million. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks.
1: Here comes the money. Money,
0: money, money, money. (laughs) And the money just keeps on coming because not only that, Bryce Harper's New Jersey with the Phillies, he decided to go with the number three instead of his normal 34 out of respect for the late Roy Halladay, who was just inducted into the Hall of Fame and who died a few years ago, who wore 34 with the Phillies. So he switches up to number three out of respect for him and his family. And all that did was set jersey sales records for a 24-hour period for any sport, any major sport. He set the record for fastest-selling jersey in a 24-hour period. That's big time, and MLB has got to be excited about that because they are now putting one of their big superstars in a high-profile market like Philadelphia. Okay. And then Bryce Harper, he went on the radio and he's making the rounds because now that he's in Philadelphia, and he said, no doubt about it. Um, I will be making a pitch to Mike Trout to come to Philly in 2020 in about 20 months when he becomes a free agent. And now uh, the Angels are looking into this and they're telling, saying the, the, for the league to check and see if, uh, you know, that this is tampering and. Please, that's not going to stick. But that was the news that was out there in case you wanted to know about that. And then the Mets, they're 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 weird, man. They're, I guess they're trying to go in on the saber metrics. They were one of the teams that was on the fence with it. They you don't know if they're in on it. They're not. Now they're in on it and they're starting to hire people. They they hired Al Leiter and now they've hired Jessica Mendoza. I mean, this is a weird one. More power to the woman on International Women's Day, right? But uh, this is weird. So obviously, Jessica Mendoza, ladies and gentlemen, she is one-third of or part of ESPN's Sunday Night Baseball. And now she is going to be joining the Mets. Her job title is Operations Advisor, and she is going to focus on player evaluation, roster construction, and technological advancement and health performance. And I guess it's some it's a part-time gig because um she will continue to work on Sunday night baseball. I'm curious to see how this is going to how this is going to work when she's an employee of the Mets and then we have Subway Series Mets and Yankees or, you know, Mets on Sunday night baseball and she is announcing the game. It's going to be a little awkward probably for her to stay biased and 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 uh you know, call the game partially, partially, considering that she's receiving paychecks from the Mets organization. And then um speaking about the Yankees, some rough news. Spring training game, Louis Severino was made was set to make his spring training debut on Tuesday, I believe, I think it was. And they had to shut him down. He felt some shoulder tightness, some soreness behind his shoulder. They've shut him down, and, oh, it's not good. Um, He's going to be out at least two weeks, and this confirms what I already speculated. He is going to miss his opening day start for the Yankees, which it's not... It's not terrible. It's just a shame that this would happen. He didn't even get to pitch one time in spring training. So hopefully he's not too rusty when he does come back. Hopefully he does come back. Like God forbid, this is any sort of a uh, major injury, but, um, at least two weeks, I'll have an update when the Yankees release one. We just have to wait and see, and he's going to have to uh, rest it up. And, uh, so yeah, that was a big blow. Uh, Kershaw he looks like he's still making a little bit of progress but all indications point to him missing his opening day start as well and then the Mets they uh excuse me Major League Baseball has suspended Stephen Wright the knuckleballer for the Red Sox 80 games for PEDs and he came out and said I don't know how this game of this this was uh tested positive for or was in my system that's what they all say you know I don't know how it got there I didn't do it I didn't I didn't mean to do it, but uh, this is not good for Steven Wright, and I'm surprised that the Red Sox haven't released him and that he's still on their roster. They are really dying for for back-end pitching. But uh, he was suspended 15 games last season for a domestic violence issue. So um, clearly not a great guy, and I don't know why he's still on the roster. But um, the Red Sox will be the Red Sox, and they're going to do what they want to do. And then the saddest news of the week is Hall of Famer Tim uh, Seaver, or Tom Seaver, excuse me, uh, has been diagnosed with dementia. His family, unfortunately, made the announcement in a statement released by the Hall of Fame uh, yesterday, was this. But uh, Tom Seaver, he is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. He is uh, chosen now with the dementia. He's going to completely retire from public life. He owns a vineyard and he loves doing that. So he's going to continue to to run the vineyard, I, I believe, in California there. But uh, mostly played his career out with the New York Metropolitans, winning 311 games, was a 12-time All-Star and three-time Cy Young Award winner. And of course, most notably, he helped the Mets to their first World Series title in 1969. I believe the Mets are going to put up a Tom Seaver statue outside of their stadium now. Uh, So hats off to you, Tom Seaver. And um, yeah, it's a tough, tough disease. There's really no coming back from it. So hopefully, you know, you just live your best life in these final, final years, hopefully, that you have left. And last but not least or one of the last things here is, man. is... Let's talk about Manny Machado for a second. We know he's now in San Diego. And he he came out and, and made a dumb statement. This guy is just an, a bumbling idiot. He could stay in, in San Diego for the rest of his career for all I care. He made his money, but he's not going anywhere. He said that people... Are always gonna be called. He's always gonna be the villain, and and he's basically playing this victim card. But he's also he's also like basically saying that he doesn't care if he's the villain, and he might as well just live up to that name. So, uh, you know, I'm over Machado. I wanted him to come to the Yankees, but it's like exactly he's the exact replica of what Antonio Brown is to the Steelers. And what that will do to a locker room is poison. It's a cancer. You don't want it anywhere near you, especially a young Yankee team. So whatever. Okay. And then, all right, here is, I'll summarize this up. This is big news. The Major League Baseball has agreed to a new partnership with the Independent Atlantic League. And this is some crazy, bizarre stuff. Basically, they're going to experiment with a bunch of crazy rule changes that if successful or depending how lo- how they work out in the Atlantic League, they might transition them over to Major League Baseball. And let's ju- just take a look. Uh, let's take a dive into what some of these are. All right. They are going... This, These, these will include these changes. Uh, these experiments in the Atlantic League will include... One, a track man, it's called track man radar system, which is basically robot umpires that will help with balls and strikes. They're going to move the mound back a full two feet, but this will only take effect in the second half of the Atlantic league season. This is um, a, a rule that has to do with the shift. They're they're eliminating the shift, essentially, mandating that two infielders, so basically a shortstop and a second baseman, have to be on uh, both sides of second base when the pitch is released. After the pitch is released, they can do whatever they want, but that's basically cutting down on the shift. Okay, and then if they don't abide by that rule, a ball will be enforced and awarded to the batter. And they're also putting into effect a three batter minimum for pitchers, which the MLB has already been talking about implementing for the 2020 season because they want to cut down on how long these games take to complete. And if you bring out a lefty specialist or a guy that faces one batter, then you got to go to a commercial break and give him a lot, his a lot, the next guy his allotted, um, warm up on the mound and it just takes more time. So now they're saying three batter minimum and no mound visits other than for pitching changes or injuries. That's an interesting one because a lot of times guys get, you know, lost out there and they can't find the strike zone. And of course coach's job pitching coach, is to go out on the mound and visit with the pitcher. So they're taking that away and then they are going to increase the size of the bases from 15 to 18 inches. We can thank Manny Machado for that one because, yeah, we know in the playoffs, he loved to try stepping on uh, first baseman's uh, ankle. And quite frankly, you can make the base as big as you want. If a guy is going to be an a-hole and and try to make contact with the player, they're going to do it regardless. But really, I see... No problem with increasing the size of the bases. That's fine. And then they are going to reduce the time between innings. This is a bit of a stretch. They're barely... They're reducing it by 20 seconds. I mean, really? So basically, in between innings and during pitching changes, they're going to reduce the time from 2 minutes and 5 seconds to a minute 45. Yeah, you're saving 20 seconds. Big whoop. And then finally... um, I'm interested in this because the Independent Atlantic League, the Somerset Patriots Park, they're in that league, and they play. They're about 20 to 25 minutes away from me, so I'm actually excited. It's been a long time since I've been to one of these games, but I'm very excited to. I will. I will be going to uh, one, at least one of these games to check out these new rules because I, I'm very curious to see. You're moving the mound back two feet. That is going to make for a drastic, drastic change. You're now putting the mound closer to second base for pickoffs, further away from first base, and further away from home plate, so guys are not going to throw as hard. And if you're trying to cut down on how long these games are, it doesn't make sense that you'd move the mound back because guys not throwing as hard, easier to hit the ball. Sliders and cutters. Cutter specialists like a Mariano Rivera, he would not... Bo- this would not bode well for him if they made these rule changes in his day. So, yeah, it's going to be fun and interesting to watch, and I'll get to see it firsthand, so it's going to be cool. Okay, we're at the end of the show, finally, hour 22, so it won't break break any records here or anything. But uh, on this date in sports, to close out this show, we will talk about March 8th, 1971 when undefeated heavyweights, baby Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali fought to decide the, the true heavyweight champion of the world at Madison Square Garden. That was a classic. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, Muhammad Ali R I P to that great. Um, and then okay, let's go with what's on this weekend. You guys can if you are a sports fan, you cannot miss. These two college basketball games tomorrow. Mark it down, hour 23 and 20 seconds. We've got a pair of top 10 in-state rivalries. Nothing better than this. Duke, North Carolina in a rematch of a couple weeks ago in which Zion blasted through his shoe and hurt his knee. Hasn't played since and Duke got routed at home. That is number three. North Carolina. Number four, Duke. This one is at North Carolina, yet to be determined on whether or not Zion will return and play in this game. I am sure he's going to do everything he can to get back and play in this game, but I'd love to see what the spread is on this game because I, as a Duke fan, I hate to say it, but I'm a numbers guy and I go where the money tells me and, and I'd I'm leaning North Carolina, even if Zion uh, plays, I do believe North Carolina is going to win this game. I don't think that North Carolina is the better overall team, but in this instance, I believe that North Carolina will beat Duke in the rematch. And then that is followed up. That's at six o'clock Eastern time. And then that's followed up by a big time rivalry between Michigan and Michigan state at eight o'clock. And, um, this is, uh, Michigan State is looking for the season sweep. They beat Michigan a couple weeks ago. And then uh, keep in mind that a couple of conference tournaments have started in college basketball. Some of the mid-major tournaments, uh, co- conference tournaments have started, so keep an eye on that. A couple teams will be punching their tickets to the big dance very soon. And then you've got, of course, the NBA action going on right now. You've got a bunch of games in the fourth quarter. Uh, Raptors, Pelicans, Pistons, Bulls, Sixers, Rockets, Cavs, Heat, Jazz, Grizzly. And then, of course, at 1030, big game, the top two seeds in the West. We'll get a real good gauge. The Warriors are six and a half point favorites. I would lean towards the Nuggets, but this one scares, scares me because the Nuggets, yes, they are the number two team in the conference, and they've beaten the Warriors this year. But the Warriors coming off that 33-point loss embarrassment at home, I don't know. I might might stay away from this one, but uh, definitely going to be high scoring, going to be a fun game to watch coming up in about a half hour. So I look forward to that one. And then you've got the Thunder and Clippers at 1030 as well. And then tomorrow, um, the rest of the weekend, you've got Some games, let's see, the big game tomorrow, really, 8.30, probably on ABC is Celtics and Lakers, although the Lakers are not very good. We'll see if LeBron, that'll be his first game since announcing this minutes restriction. We'll see how that plays out. And then uh, let's see if there's any good games on Sunday. You've got the Pacers and the Sixers. That's a matchup between the three and four seeds in the East. You've got, um, let's see, the Rock. uh, No, that's not really a great game. Um, the Bucs and the Spurs, there it is. That's, I knew there was a good game on Wednesday night at 8 p.m. The Bucks and the Spurs, two, two very good teams. We'll see how they go, see if Pop can have an answer for Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks there. Um, and I don't know if I'm missing anything. Um, John Bones Jones, he won his big matchup at UFC last week. Um, let's see. Yeah, I... I think that's it. There's probably some um, AAF games on Alliance of American Football League games on this weekend as well. There's some PGA Tour golf going on. Just all sorts of stuff. If you're a sports fan, you know what's going on. All right, hour 27. Last thing, I did want to mention this because it's quite... it, it, It literally blew my mind in a sense. This idiot on the Cowboys, David Irving. All right, He decided he wants to quit the NFL. And why? Well, he loves the weed too much, way too much, that he has been suspended for his use of violation of the substance abuse policy. So Stephen A. was talking about this. And then none other than Snoop Dogg, who loves the weed, probably more than anyone. He gave his take on this whole situation, and it kind of blew my mind. Take a listen to what Snoop Dogg had to say. This is extremely intriguing.
1: I thought he should have kept it low-key and, and, and not put his business out there because it's not football season as it is. So this is the mm-hmm. perfect time to to actually be medicating yourself, but to, the way he did it, it's like it's in, in, a, in a rage. Like, I'm mad at the NFL, and I'm mad at all these rules, so I'm doing this to show people that I don't care, but you're showing a wrong example because a lot of people like yourself work their whole lives to get to that level. And yeah. to get to that level and to blow it behind. Smoking weed?
0: Come on, man, you can smoke weed after the game or when the season is over with. It's not that serious. I mean, and this is the average weed smoker right here talking to you. And what he's saying is that he smokes weed on a daily, but he is a uh, he is held to a different set of rules. He's not held to any rules, really, in the sense that he doesn't have a commissioner that's enforcing rules or a league that he has to follow. Basically, he works for the man. He has a job, okay? He's working for somebody, and he there's a set of rules in place that you can't do this, and he's saying you're throwing away too much by doing this during the season, during games, whatever, and you should be doing it after the season because you you're there's too much money on the line think smarter and i can't believe it but snoop dogg he's never made more sense than he does right now when he says this and this guy irving is an idiot because he goes and he makes a video saying i quit and he's smoking a blunt in this video now he's saying that he's using it for medication medicinal purposes like pain meds um which is all well and good and he's saying you know it's better for it's not as bad as the Xanax and the other actual drugs that they that they um, that they prescribe to you when you're in the NFL for pain purposes. But this is basically a disgruntled employee when you get called in and you you've been fired and you're like, you can't fire me, I quit. That's essentially what he's doing. You got suspended. You're probably going to face like a year-long suspension or whatever it is. You got the Josh Gordon treatment and you're just going to you're just saying that instead of um taking the suspension, I'm just going to make it seem like I'm quitting because I want to and I'm not going to come back. And he he goes on to say in this video, which I don't have, you can find it online, that uh you know he's going to pull a, basically a Colin Kaepernick and take a knee on this stance, and he's not going to come back to the NFL until they change their 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 rules on, on their substance abuse policy and basically legalize marijuana in in the NFL. So, um, but I I just thought that was really interesting. I wanted to play that clip for you guys because I can't believe that. Snoop Dogg, who smokes weed more than anyone, said this and made so much sense in doing so. So, yeah, guys, um, Snoop Dogg smokes weed and he is telling you not to do it when you play football or during the season because there's too much on the line. So, awesome stuff there from my man Snoop. And uh, that's been, it has been another great episode of This Week in Sports, episode 42. I am so glad that I came back. I came back stronger than ever. Sorry about that last week that I missed it. But um, this is The Pody, episode 42, This Week in Sports. Have a nice, happy, healthy weekend, everybody. Signing out.